Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, praise the Lord. We're glad you made it out today. We're going to give our best to God in everything we do and say. Amen? Let's go ahead, uh, Emmy, if you'll pull up our missionary picture for today. This is David and Nancy Stone. Uh, right now they are working. They've got six churches that they've established down in Puerto Rico, and they're also overseeing other churches that are there in the Caribbean. In fact, right now there are over 70 churches in the Caribbean that are preaching the gospel. And so we want to be able to pray for them and just believe for God to continue to open up the doors throughout all of that region. I imagine today it's not snowing down in the Caribbean. So let's pray for them. Father, we hold up David and Nancy to you. We thank you for the power of Jesus Christ working in their life. Give them favor, open doors, and opportunities so that the anointing will increase throughout the entire Caribbean. Thank you for the goodness of our God moving in that land. In Jesus' name, amen. Just an interesting fact for you, almost half of the churches in the Caribbean have their services on Monday because of it being the Caribbean, so many people come down as tourists and they're there over the entire weekend. And so most people have to work on Sunday because it being such a tourist area. So Mondays are the slow day and that's the day they have church. So you all understand that if you've ever had to work on a weekend, you know that you just have to find ways to make it a day that you honor God. And yet what a cool way to be able to still be in fellowship with other believers. Uh, the second Sunday of each month, we always take time to share a little bit about vision and what we're doing as a church. But first off, I just want to say thank you to everybody who came out on Friday for Pauline Sullivan's funeral. Uh, it was a, a challenging time to say goodbye to such a wonderful lady. But she went in her sleep early on Wednesday morning, and her family came into town, and that was their wishes. We had tried to encourage them to wait till Saturday because we know most of you all have to work. But uh, there was a good crowd that was here, and uh, I know you really blessed the family. Pauline loved you. She just enjoyed being with you, and so many of you sacrificially gave visitor in the hospital at the nursing home, took her around, did different things, and it really blessed her. And uh, toward the end of her time there at the nursing home, she was pretty involved in one of the art classes that was uh, there at the nursing home. And uh, let me just tell you, the people over here at Hope Creek Nursing Home couldn't find a better nursing home or staff or people. They were just fantastic. So the next time you think when you have to go and you see something come up for Rock Island County, you know we support that nursing home with your tax dollars. And I just want you to know your money's going to good use. It is just a fantastic place, and uh, they really blessed Pauline. But anyway, she did lots of different paintings. She had lots of paintings around her room, and uh, she had one particular painting of a cardinal that I talked to her daughters, and uh, they said that would be fine, so they gave me that. Once I get it framed, we'll go ahead and show it to you. But uh, she did some pretty good work. She really did. A lot of good talent right there in that lady, and she loved Jesus with all of her heart. So... Praise God forevermore. Aren't you glad people come into our life that just bless us? And it isn't so much that they give a whole lot to us, but their life and their presence, it gives to us. It blesses us. Amen. Will you join me? We're going to just take a moment and pray for her family. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, especially over the grandkids that were here. Lord Jesus, they heard the gospel. And we pray now for each of them to have an encounter with Christ and come to know you as Savior and Lord. We give it all to you, for we know today the Pauline is whole and dancing in your presence in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, talking about our vision as a church, you know, you might say, well, church is church, isn't it? Well, it, it isn't always that way. And for us, we really describe ourselves as a family church. We don't specialize in one group or the other. Uh, I remember here a while back there was one congregation in town that said, uh, we want to keep everything fresh and new because we want to attract all young people to our church, so we're never going to sing a song that is over one year old. Well, you get rid of all the songs that are over one year old and you lose a whole lot of your heritage. It's important that we keep new and fresh, and, and worship team, we appreciate when you guys come up with new songs that we can learn and be a part of, but we're also thankful for that amazing grace. We're thankful for that rugged cross. We're thankful for all of it. It blends together and makes us whole. Uh, we don't ever just sit back and think only about the children or the youth or the young adults, but we think about the whole church. We don't just think about grandmas and grandpas and adults. We think about the whole church. We're proud of all of you. That's why we bring the kids up here when they sing and they do their part. That's why we encourage you to be involved in each other's lives and sharing the good news of Christ. Uh, our families come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Some are single parents, some are just single, some are older, some are younger. Doesn't matter, we all come together as the family of God. We're building a multi-generational, multicultural congregation. We wanna reach out to people from every background. I want them to be able to find Faith Walk to be their home. And uh, I know this morning you look around and see a lot of empty spots around you. And, and we want folks, if they're concerned about the weather, to stay home and relax. But we appreciate all of you that made it out today. This is just part of who we are as a church. So there's good things that we're considering and thinking about doing. Right now we put together our Geek Squad. You might have thought that Office Max was the only one that had geeks. I'm proud to say we... Oh, Best Buy, not Office Max? Okay, I'll get the right place. That place out by uh, South Park over there by Toys R Us. I got no problem remembering Toys R Us. There we go. But anyway, we put our own geek group together, and they are looking at what we need to do to upgrade some of our computers and things like this. We are going to make some changes on our website. We are also looking right now, there is something that we are studying and looking for the best way to do it that would be having our own radio station on the internet. We can get it put up there for absolutely free. The software, everything else that's there, we're trying to make sure we've got everything in place so that we could put teaching and all kinds of devotional programs and other things up there, plus music, so that with your iPad or with your phone or whether it's your computer at home, you can be able to download an app and be able to listen. We'd be able to do live streaming of our worship services so that if you couldn't get out, you'd be able to listen at the same time that we're here. Because we figure even if the snow gets mighty high, we can tunnel from our house up here. <laughs> and we'll get the word to you. So it'll be something that if you're at the gym, you can be able to put into your phone, listen, and have some kind of positive, encouraging devotional, along with being able to work with a couple different venues for music to bring in that'll be snappy and yet have the good representation of all the word of God. So those are some things that we're working on, and our, uh, our geek group is putting that together, so we'll make some announcements by the church anniversary, May 1st, of how we're doing and uh, what we have to do to get there. So that really will be another step in the way for us to be able to take our services and put them up on the website and be able to, if not doing live streaming, be able to have it up there so you can watch, even if it would be an hour right after the service, it would be up there. So. Good things are ahead. That's all part of our plans and vision for us as a church for this year. And uh, we are expecting God to just speak through these men and women that are helping. You know, I, I sometimes get challenged with my phone. And I have to go to my girls and say, fix it. And they do, and praise the Lord, then I can do my thing. And I just know this, that God's given us some smart people around here. If I don't know, and that's your gift, and you've not shared that yet, talk to me after the service. We've got a meeting coming up with that group this upcoming Thursday, putting more ideas together, and uh, we'd love to have your input. So if you like electronics and you're smart, and you can just take and figure out your remote control at your house, we're looking for you. So think about that. Let's see. Otherwise, uh, we are just believing God for this Easter outreach. It's going to kick off for us at the end of February. February 28th, 
going through March 27th. Easter is just a week earlier this year than it was last year. But our goal is from this point on to be able to bring guests into church. We're trusting God that we'll have at least 25 new people that will begin to come and be a part of our services. If you're a guest with us today, please make yourself at home. There's a blue guest card in front of you in the pew. Go ahead and fill it out and drop it in the offering bucket at the end of the service so we can get to know you. Hallelujah. Someone asked me one time, they said, why is it so important for us to reach new people? Because we want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to go to heaven. We don't want anybody to miss out. So will you join with me as we pray for our church? Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for every child, every teenager, every young person. We thank you for every adult in this place that together we will reach our community for Christ. Now, use us and bring divine connections in our life that we can share our faith and see new people born again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go ahead and open up your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, starting at verse 1. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities." the desolations of many generations. Boy, there's so much information right there. But we can all agree on one thing. We serve a God who is into restoration. Amen? He is into restoring people's lives. He's into restoring communities. We've all watched on the news over the past few weeks of the disaster going on up in Flint, Michigan. Lots of people pointing fingers about who did what, why the water is so bad, so contaminated with lead. There's all kinds of things that go on around us constantly. But we have to know this, that when we put our faith and trust in God, he is more than enough. Now, as being more than enough, it's important that we begin to understand God has a plan to make these things take place. It's going to take a while to get rid of the infrastructure that is underground with pipes that are giving off the lead into the water system. Have you ever had God say to you, we need to work on your foundation? When you're praying, have you ever had God say, you're doing okay, but I want to strengthen your foundation because there's more for you to do yet ahead. See, we all have a foundation in Christ. When you get born again, the foundation is there for you in Jesus Christ. And that's always going to be there. But if you're going to build anything bigger, if you're going to change anything within your life, you've got to have more foundation. And, and it can't just be a floating slab. You know, the sidewalk out in front of here Every year in springtime and at different times of the year, if there's a fluctuation in the weather, part of that sidewalk goes up, part of it goes down, it gives, it cracks, there's different things that happen. You can put a foundation and they say normally you need to go at least four foot down to have some kind of a foundation that gets below the frost line. Now, one of the guys over at the cemetery was telling me right now, the frost line is two and a half feet down in the ground. That's pretty deep. Uh, I, I will, you probably noticed it when you came in, or maybe not, <laughs> on timing-wise. But uh, between Christmas and, and uh, New Year's, we got rid of the inflatable nativity scene out here, got it up, was able to get it unhooked. The ground was good enough shape that we could get that removed. Last year, we didn't get that out of there till Good Friday. 
The other day I was able to get Mary and Joseph and Jesus out over on this side with that nativity. But I have to tell you, the shepherd whose metal crook goes down in the ground, he might be there till Easter. There is all kinds of changes that weather happens around every one of us. And sometimes it challenges our foundation. Sometimes in our life, we have issues that come up that challenge us. We sit back and we think, how can I face this? What can I do? And I want you to know God's in the business of helping putting good footings down for your foundation. And if he's causing some growth to happen, maybe there's some changes that are happening in your job place. Don't ever let people tell you you're not smart enough to learn something new. You're not going to be able to adapt. You're never going to make it. They fired you at this age because they don't want to pay the benefits to you. And they're going to hire somebody else younger that they'll pay less to. I'm telling you, you are still children of God and God still intends to take care of you. So when all these changes go on, just know you have to know your foundation. And for us as a church, we have to know our foundation. If we're going to find new ways to reach out to people in the community, if we're going to still stay relevant, we have to continue to change. That doesn't mean we get rid of our heritage. Did you all hear on the news the other day that Sears and Kmart have announced they're going to be closing an additional 500 stores the next two years? Man... They already closed quite a few. You all know we lost our Sears store out here at South Park. There's one on the Iowa side, and then there's this little tiny one up here in Moline that just handles appliances up on the avenue. And yet, here was a store that everybody thought was one of those staples within our culture. You know, you need good pants, you headed to Sears, at least for boys. <laughs> that was something that was their Sears store always had everything that was in it. And then Kmart comes along and buys them, and they start to change things up a little bit. And as the changes start happening, the economy continues to change. So that economically, people had to look and say, where I used to shop over at Sears, now I've got to shop over here at Walmart to be able to make all ends meet. And all these changes started happening. And just like Montgomery Wards used to be a store that everybody knew, it had a history within our country, it was gone. I don't know what the fate of Sears is going to be, but I know this. This is what happens to churches also. Before you know it, churches can get in a rut, and they just keep doing the same thing that they've always done, and they never try to look at their foundation to see if there's a crack. They never try to look at the way that they've done things and see if they need to improve on it. And if you're not careful, as a church, a church can become old on the inside. Now, that puts nothing down against anybody that's older in this place today. You know, the good thing about older is you've got some good experience. And the cool part is God always brings honor to that place of experience and gifts. So for us as a church, that's why we're a family congregation. That's why we keep reaching out, why we continue to emphasize the blessed life that comes from babies and from children and youth and from adults. Every one of us have something to give. This word that we are reading out of Isaiah, there was an emphasis here on the foundation. As a church, if we're going to continue to move ahead, we have to find new ways to keep communicating the old, old story. The story doesn't change. The principles of God's word don't change. And we will not ever shy away from, from teaching the whole gospel. But I will tell you, we're going to continue to look for new ways to express ourselves. We're not going to let things just get so run down that we are falling apart. But as a congregation, we are going to continue to move ahead. See, this scripture is the one that Jesus quoted as he stood before the people in his synagogue. As he had been a boy attending there, he went up and he grabbed the scripture, he grabbed the reading, he was the one who was up to speak that day, and he starts quoting this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty to the captives. As he spoke those words out, then he took and he closed the book for the reading and he looked at everybody and he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, everybody had known him as a little boy growing up there with Mary and Joseph. Everyone had been around him and saw him as a young man. 
And today he stood up and he spoke those words out. And he says, I am the fulfillment of those scriptures. That was awful hard for certain people to accept. You mean you're saying you think you're God? Wait a minute, wait a minute. We know all about you. We know your story. We know what's happened. We've seen this. We've seen the rest of your family. Who do you think you are? And in fact, at one point, we see later on in Jesus' ministry as he was back in his hometown, how that people couldn't let go of the past to think that God might be doing something new in their lives. I want you to know there are young people there are older people, there are adults and young adults in this place who God's anointing already rests upon because they have given their heart to Christ. God can use any of them. God can use any of us in this place because he is moving in each of your lives. That's the beauty of what Christ brought. It was no longer just a priesthood that was up here that no one could think about being a part of unless they were born into that section of Israel's history and life. But today we know that we have one high priest and that high priest is Jesus Christ our Lord. He intercedes for us. He's covered us with his precious blood in the offering that has been given up before God on the cross. We, the church, have the Spirit of God living in us, and we can do the same type of things that Jesus did because of the anointing. Hallelujah. Now, it's an awesome responsibility to think that the anointing of God is inside of you. It'll challenge you on some of the decisions you think about of what you'll do and what you won't do because you realize the Spirit of God is alive inside you. This Valentine's Day, man, it can be something a lot of people celebrate or other people dread. If they've gone through a hard relationship or even if their spouse has already moved to heaven, it can be a place where they feel a little bit empty on things. I thought it was really interesting. Statistically, 15% of women who are not in any kind of a relationship send themselves flowers on Valentine's Day. Wow, doesn't that sound high? I mean, I was shocked by it. 15% of women send themselves flowers. Are we as a culture putting so much emphasis on people hurrying into a relationship that if on a certain day of the year that something comes up that we say everybody's supposed to be in love on that day and they don't have somebody to love them that they feel the pressure to have to say, well, I love myself. Or I want to look good in front of my friends at the office. I'll have flowers sent. And most of those same 15% have the card signed, a secret admirer. I'll tell you what, folks, we're putting pressure on people as a society for crazy stuff like that. You know what? If you want flowers, buy them the day after Valentine's. They'll be cheaper. Pastor, you know, I did that. You don't understand how I feel bad. Don't feel bad. Just save your money next year. Because we have a God who loves us all the days of the year. He is there for us at all times. He is there to bring gifts to us. And this scripture is talking about the gifts of God. Everything God has, he brings liberty to. He brings liberty. Don't be in bondage of your past. Don't be in bondage thinking there must be something wrong with me because I don't have a woman, I don't have a man who loves me. You have a God who is more than enough. Let the Lord bring that man into your life. Bring that woman into your life. Pray that way that God would bring them in. Just don't go out there letting the world make you feel desperate. There should never be a desperate Christian. God is there to be the lover of your soul. Now, the joy of the Lord is what awaits every single one of us. See, when liberty comes, you just begin to get joyful. When somebody has been so under the conviction of God that they give their heart to the Lord and the burden of sin gets lifted off, the guilt of the past, man, they're at liberty. They're excited. I'm free. You mean I'm forgiven? I'm going to heaven? Man alive, your mother didn't think I was going anywhere but to hell. I've met people that have said things like that. I've heard it here at this altar. Why? Because God changed their heart. If God can change your heart, he can change anybody's heart. That is liberty. Don't let somebody control you. 
a man or a woman. Don't even let a church control you. You are not to be controlled. You are to be led by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That, sure, there's right and wrong. Sure, there's things we're to do and not to do. But none of us are to control anybody. Because if we gave our heart to Christ, we belong to him. And he is, as I said earlier, the lover of our soul. We are to restore the old ruins. You know what? Some people's lives are in ruins. They had a spouse walk out on them, that cheated on them, that have done this, that have done that. They've had this go on. They've had that go on. Their life is in ruins. Someone has had their parent die and go on to heaven, but now they feel a loss inside them. There is a ruin that's there. God is the one who restores and rebuilds the ruined areas. Hallelujah. Man, it's, the worst thing in the world is to go buy old houses that are all broke down and fallen apart. The Bible college that Tanya and I went to up in Ohio, the building itself had been sold because they had built a new campus down in Virginia. And it sat there empty for a long time. And there were different groups that would use it and different activities went on in the community. And then earlier this year, it was, I should say, at the end of last year, uh, there had been a fire in the building. And it burned the building down so that there are, here was this four-story building that there's just a little high area for one part, a high area here, everything in the middle is gone. That hurt me on the inside when I looked at that building. I, I know it was just brick and mortar, but it had been dedicated for the use of God's word and training others. There was memories that were tied up there. And yet, you know what? I'm still going on for Jesus. And sometimes when we see things that have been landmarks in all of our life fall apart, it's hard on us because that landmark, that situation, that current activity that was going on there, it touched us in some way, and now it's no longer doing it. It is so important for us to have those landmarks, but also to keep stretching forward to the plans and purposes that God has in front of us. And when we can bring restoration, let's bring restoration. Hallelujah. Let's bring restoration to people's lives. If they feel alone, if they feel neglected. Did you notice this? Let me find the exact part here. Look at uh, the end of verse 1. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Never sit back and think, well, those people in prison are there because they deserve it. They may have to pay a fee or a penalty to society for what they have done, but they are still people that need to be restored. Oh, no, Pastor. Bad people are always bad. They always stay bad. You know what? There are people that are repeat offenders, but that's only because they haven't been set at liberty by Jesus Christ. When God sets somebody free, he completely sets somebody free. And today we're so into, oh, all kinds of labels that we put on someone. This crime is worse than that one. This crime is worse than this. And we have situations that we're looking at police and bystanders and trying to decide who's innocent, who's guilty. I got to tell you something. Put your faith and trust in God. He's the only one who can rebuild a city. You want the Quad Cities to be changed? We need a spiritual revival right here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's not by having more laws. It's about having Jesus Christ, who paid for all the law on the cross, change people's lives. We are to restore the old ruins. The things that have been desolate, we are to repair and to raise up. I think about the building for the Oasis. They were going to tear that down. They left it sit for four years before we ever got into it. It was going to all be put into ruin. And yet, think about it. This day, how many lives have been touched for the glory of God? Yesterday, Diane was working down there, and she said, Pastor, when I stopped in, she goes, i got to tell you, she said, whatever you put up on Facebook, she said, I've had all these people that have been coming into the Oasis saying, we saw about Pauline. Who is Pauline? Why did this happen? Did she die? Did she volunteer down here? What's going on? She said, I've had tons of people come up to me that I've never seen before asking about Pauline. It's just one little tool we use for the Oasis page to keep everybody informed. We closed early on Friday at noon so that the people who were working there could come to the service. 
I'm telling you, we as a church must have a reputation as being a restorer. Must have a reputation of looking at people's lives and seeing beyond whatever their past was and seeing what God can do in them. Because if God forgave you and I, God can forgive anybody. Amen? Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor say, if God forgave you, he can forgive. Oh, let me get started again. If God can forgive you, he can forgive anybody. Look at somebody and say it. If God can forgive you, he can forgive anybody. Oh, yeah, pastor, I don't know. You don't know who I'm sitting by. Yes, I do. <laughs> even if they're a corker, even if they're ornery, God can make a difference in their lives. He has given us salvation. He's given us the baptism of the Spirit, healing. He's promised us the rapture, the second coming of the good things of our God. Let's go over to the New Testament to the book of John chapter 15. Yeah, but pastor, sometimes things have been a ruin for so long they have to be tore down. I understand that. But do you know, even if something has to be torn down, the remnant and the history of it can still come alive. You just need a new foundation. You need a new foundation. John chapter 15, take a look at verse 9. Jesus is talking and he says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you that you love one another. Boy, that's powerful. Sometimes we get around people that are not very lovely. And yet God's saying, that we're to love them. See, there is power in love. Would you say that with me? There is power in love. Have you ever done something to offend a person and you went back and you apologized to them, asked for their forgiveness, and they forgave you? Why did they forgive you? Because they loved you. That happens within families all the time. We offend each other, we hurt each other's feelings, and we have to go and say, I'm sorry. That happens in churches, in businesses, in neighborhoods. Things happen and we have to say, I'm sorry. And when a person forgives you, it's all because of love. We're not just talking some kind of ooey-gooey moment only happening one time a year on Valentine's Day when you get flowers or candies or jewelry or anything else. It comes because of a commitment to know that all of us have blown it and all of us need restoration. He loved us before we ever loved him. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends and you are my friends. And then it goes on and it says, if you live by the word of God or if you do what I have commanded you. So we've been given this book to teach us how to live godly. Because in the natural, we don't know how to live godly. We might know how to do a few good things, but we may not know how to live godly. And that's why he's given us his word. There are no perfect people. I know that might surprise some of you. Maybe you thought you were perfect all along and everybody else was wacko. Just want to let you know we've all thought that about you for a long time. There are wacky things that go on in every one of our lives. But that doesn't mean that has to define us. God's love defines us. In fact, what you find out is the people who've received the most forgiveness in their life, 
are usually the ones that are the most humble. They're not walking around pointing fingers at everybody, accusing people of something. I have to tell you, I have not watched any of the debates that have been on television. You might think that that's irresponsible of me. I catch up on the news the next day of some of the highlights there. But the problem is sometimes with some of those debates, all they do is spend their time trying to find fault with each other. There are no perfect men or women to be president of these United States. If you're looking for perfect people, they don't exist. We all have battle scars in our life. We all have moments that we've blown it. And I don't need somebody calling somebody else ignorant or dumb on the stage to give me confidence in them. If anything, it makes me doubt them. I know I may see things different than other people out there, but I have a hard time looking for the bad things in people's lives. I spend most of my time looking for the good things. Now, sometimes you have to dig pretty deep to find them. Sometimes there's people that don't have a lot of good on the surface. But if you will dig and make yourself available, you will find there are gifts in people's lives. And didn't we just read in Isaiah that we are to be the restorers of those ruined cities? We are the ones to stand for our community. We are the ones to reach out in love to those who have been burdened and put in bondage. We are to bring liberty and to see the hand of God. That's partially why God gives us the gifts of his spirit, so that we are equipped to fight the world's battles. I'm not looking for a preacher to be our next president. That's not what I'm suggesting here. I just want a godly man or woman who will know how to humbly say, Lord, forgive us as a nation. And I have to tell you, I'm looking for someone who knows how to repent because we mess it up all the time. Let's look over in 1 Corinthians, a few pages further. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know some of you may be very active within one political party or the next, and, and I encourage you to be involved. I'm not discouraging any of that. I'm not asking you to be ignorant. I, I'm not ignorant on what's going on. I just can't listen to something going, tearing down somebody. If I see that when I'm a part of any other group, you know what, I walk away from it. Or I interrupt them. Didn't your mama used to say this to you? If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Man alive. Mothers. And if you've never heard that before, you have now. You need to know that. Yeah, but pastor, there's sometimes you just have to tell people they're stupid. I know, maybe you felt that way. Sometimes, you know, have you ever heard of this, this other illustration? Did you ever feel like you were biting your tongue so hard the blood was dripping out of your mouth? You never heard that one either, huh? Where did you people grow up? <laughs> I got to tell you, it's important to know that our mouth will either speak words of life or will speak words of death. And there's plenty of unbelievers out there, and even, unfortunately, some believers that are always speaking about death and fear and doubt and all the rest. You need to be a beacon of light. You need to be a voice that's out there looking for the right that can happen. Look what God does. He gives us the gifts of his spirit. And in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, look down with me at verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one of, uh, is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. These are the nine gifts of the Spirit that are being talked about here. The word of wisdom. If God's going to give you a word of wisdom, it will be about something in the future. 
Then it goes on and says a word of knowledge. That would be like somebody praying in the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden they look at you and they say, now God's doing it right now. Receive it in Jesus' name. That is a word of knowledge, meaning there is a move of God inside you and this is the time to receive it. Then there is the gift of faith. Yeah, but Pastor, I thought everybody had faith. You do. But there are times that there is just this extra. I don't know how fully to describe it to you, but there's just something that rises up in you when you are in a crisis situation and you are so determined and you say, but God, that's how you know. That is that gift of faith that has risen up inside you. There's gifts of healings. Because when we think about healings and miracles, they sound very close together. But a miracle, the working of miracles happens instantaneously. But healing or healings is progressive. You get prayed over and you start getting better right away. There's different ways to be healed. You go into the hospital, a doctor does surgery, you receive medicine, those things are helping you and your body begins to heal. There are all kinds of ways that God brings healing into our life. Never shy away from it. Don't ever think that if you go to the doctor, it means you don't have faith. You're still going to need faith because medicine can't cure you. But medicine can hold the sickness back so that your body can be healed. Sixth gift here is prophecy. That would be where people were gathered together, worshiping, praising. And we know there's tongues and interpretation. A prophetic word does not make you a prophet. There are prophets out there, okay? There are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the fivefold ministry gifts. But a prophetic word would come, for example, when we were in a worship service and maybe there would be toward the end of worship and praise and someone would just sense God's giving them a word. Now, he's not going to give you the whole sentence. He's not even going to give you the whole paragraph. Well, I don't want to speak up then. I might make a mistake. That's why it takes faith to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And you might say something like this. Now, this is all made up, okay? Please don't think that I'm saying something prophetic here because I'm not. Here would go something like this. For thus saith the Lord God Almighty, I am doing a new work in this community and you will see my hand move supernaturally and you will see the dead raised and you will see the hospitals emptied for thus saith the Lord. Now, prophetically, that was coming out. There was no tongues and interpretation, but there were other gifts operating there, wasn't there? About something in the future, something right now. There were all these things that were taking place. Prophetic utterances can many times even be words of comfort. For I, the Lord your God, love you. I want you to embrace my love and my power and my strength. I want you to know that you will make it. Now, here would be a perversion of it. Okay? Um, Tereni, we'll pick on you today. You look very handsome in your red pants. You know, Heather has red shoes up here. Maybe you should wear those afterwards, but all right, so here's going to be another fake prophetic word. All of you are in the room here, but all of a sudden I pick Tereni out because I'm mad at him. I'm going to teach him a lesson. For thus saith the Lord, I'm pleased with all of you except you, Tereni. You are the one who's not doing his homework and his jobs. You're the one who's not reading my word and staying in fellowship with me. You are the one who tries to dress with red pants and look fancy but on the inside is rotting flesh. Thus saith the Lord, repent. Now, what good would that have done for any of you? You'd all been turned around and looked, I want to see those red pants. What's going on here? That would be terrible. That would be a perversion. That would not be a gift from God. Please know this. Never manipulate the spirit. Well, but they're expecting something to happen. I've seen it before, and that will not happen here. I've seen people, oh, I'm an evangelist. I come in and I do these things. You know, everybody's expecting a prophetic word, so I better come up with something that's good. It won't hurt anybody. I'll just say it this way, and we'll see if they have faith. There were even evangelists that I knew through the years, many, many years back, who would do something like this with a prayer line. They would go up to the first person and say, now listen, we want to give faith to everybody else here. So when I lay hands on you, fall down on the floor. That way everybody will start believing that the healing power is here. When people are prayed for, sometimes they do fall to the ground under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and God's doing a work. But you don't have to tell somebody to fall. 
you that were with me in Peru, the one time we prayed over a lady whose name was Martha. We were at Manuel and Sonia's place, and we were out on this patio, and it was just stone. It was just a fancy tile patio. And we had lots of people praying from the team, praying over different people. And this older woman, man alive, Martha, I bet you she weighed 89 pounds wet. And Martha was standing there, and there was nobody behind her to catch her. And I forget who it was who was praying over her. And as soon as they laid hands on her, boom, she fell backwards. And you could hear her coconut hit the cement. Bang, bang, bang. Now, when Martha got up, she didn't have a headache. There wasn't any brain damage or anything else. Why? Because it was a God thing. God's not going to lay you out to hurt you. Well, pastor... You know, why do we have people stand behind folks then? We should just let them clunk. I'd like to hear their coconut hit the cement underneath that carpet. Bunk, 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 bunk. You know what? We do it mostly for modesty. We mostly do it for convenience-wise. That's why you see these people who sometimes are behind a prayer line moving back and forth just because we don't want somebody's dress to go up improperly. We don't want something to look awkward. And we want to be there just to show love and support. That's what it is. See, when Martha hit the ground, it wasn't fake. But if you ever fake it and say, okay, I'm trying to look spiritual. All right, here I go. What if nobody's behind you? You're going to have a headache. And don't sue us. If it's God, it's God. Are you hearing me? These gifts are powerful gifts that God gives to everybody. If we'll open up and want to receive and get from God what he's blessed us with. The next one is discerning of spirits. Now that doesn't mean that it helps all of you that are suspicious about things. You know, some people are always suspicious. They're always looking for the newest conspiracy. You know what? Oh, when I looked back in church today, I saw, uh, let's see here, uh, Darren. I saw Darren put his hand on his head like this. You know, I think he must have a spirit of weariness. I'm going to go tell him he has a spirit of weariness. Now, why did he put his hand on his head like that? Maybe because the preacher was going long. Maybe he had been up late. Maybe he had gotten up early. You're a truck driver. Don't you do most of your loads early in the morning? We're, you're heading toward bedtime right now, aren't you? Not now. <laughs> Keep awake for just a few more minutes. There are different kinds of tongues. There's interpretation of tongues. You don't just sit back and say, I took Spanish classes. I can do tongues. Here, I'll do my Spanish for you. It's el service time-o for us to el worship-o. It is time for us then to have El Luncho and have our Valentine's Banquet-O. That's not tongues. It might be Spanish, but it's not tongues. No, not Spanish. All right. I confess, I, I don't speak literal Spanish. Just my own type of Spanish. The gift of God comes on you, and it's not that you'll ever be forced, but you will say to him, Lord, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And as you're waiting upon him, you don't have to just keep saying, thank you, thank you, Jesus. It's, it's okay to thank him, but sometimes you just need to tell your brain to be quiet so you can listen to the Holy Ghost. And then as you do that, the very first thing that God drops into your mind and your spirit, you go ahead and speak it out. You see, we need to take the mystery out of it. If you were ever raised in a place where it made it look like it was weird and something that people didn't do who were normal, I'm normal most of the time. At least one-fourth of the time. I'm here to tell you that the gifts of God are given to you to do what? To empower you. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples had been in the upper room and the Spirit of God started to move on them. Here they had been hiding out because there was persecution. They had killed Jesus. 
And now he has said to them, don't leave until you've been endued with power. And they go back and have a prayer time for 10 additional days after they have been together for 40 days with him. And now they wait before the Lord in that upper room and the power of God falls so that it looks like there's fire over each of them. And it looks like there's a breeze blowing through the place because the anointing is so sweeping through the entire place. And they begin to pray in tongues. You don't have to think up these words. It comes from your belly. It comes from your spirit. It is a gift of God to do what? Like they did. They spilled out into the streets and started witnessing. And Peter, who had denied Jesus three times, Peter, who had been in that place that he had walked away before the rooster had crowed. Almost said roast. and it's, It's not lunchtime yet here. Before the rooster had crowed. He had denied Jesus three times. And I'm here to tell you, then he stood up before everybody and people said, look, they must be drunk. Here it is, though, the early time of the day. It's early. How could they be drunk? And Peter stands up. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Hallelujah for the word of God that prophetically from our past tells us what our future holds so that when God manifests, we can know what God is doing. Amen? Verse 7 says, all of these gifts are to profit all. You're to be blessed by them. Like the illustration I did with Tereni. Man, I, I don't have anything against Tereni. I love him. Hallelujah. And if I love him, why would I ever embarrass him? If I really had something from God to speak to him about, I would say to him privately, let's go talk. What if God gave me a word for him? Now then... If he gave me a word, I'd never embarrass him in front of you. But the other thing, Tereni has a responsibility because he's spirit-filled also, is that when I say something to him, he needs to judge it. Is it from God or is it from flesh? You have to judge what's being spoken. You have to listen to what's being there. Does it match up with the word of God? God doesn't care whether he wears red pants or blue. God looks at his heart. These gifts of the Spirit are so powerful. Turn to probably a page over in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless... Indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. Do you know that God uses miracle signs and wonders to reach out to the unsaved? God still gives signs and wonders today. God still does miracles today. So we start to understand here it says tongues speak the mystery of God. If we don't know how to pray for something, you all know that Kevin and Jamie and their kids are over in Japan. What if you were in a prayer group and all of a sudden the longs came up upon your heart? Would you just say, oh God, I I pray for Kevin and Jamie and for James and, and Lizzie. I pray over them in Jesus' name, bless them, Lord. Well, that's a good prayer. But what if there's something that needs to be interceded for that's really very intricate that needs to be dealt with in the spirit realm? Lord, I hold up Kevin and Jamie and James and Lizzie to you, and I just pray in the name of Jesus. What if they were going down a slippery, icy hill over in that part of Japan, because right now that kind of weather is there with them, and they need someone to intercede because there would be a crash at the bottom of the hill. And because you were interceding and praying for them, they may never know it was you, but because you were in touch with the Holy Ghost, somebody was praying and believing, and the hand of God moved and their lives were spared. That's what we talk about, the mysteries of God. That's the things that my brain doesn't understand. I don't know what the roads look like over in that part of Japan. But I know we have a God who knows everything. He is the original GPS. 
He knows where you are. It goes on here and it speaks about, uh, let's take a look at verse 6. Verse 6 through 15. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Remember this thing about the gifts of the Spirit. It just got done saying here he wants all of us to be able to pray in tongues, but he wants you to be able to prophesy also. Look at verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air." There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, but he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks with the tongue pray that he may interpret. And if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What's the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but other, the others are not edified. He says here, there's a time to pray in English, and there's a time to pray in tongues, or whatever language the person is speaking, that is their place of understanding. Look on with me, if you would, please, here. Uh, down to, uh, well, we'll just keep going. I thank my God, verse 18, that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that it may teach others also than 10,000 words in tongues. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however, in malice with babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, for with men of other tongues and with other lips, I will speak to this people and yet for all that, they will not hear me. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbeliever. But prophecy is not for the unbeliever, but for those who believe. So here he gives a great distinction. He's not talking about the, any part of the gifts of the Spirit are bad, but he says tongues are a sign. They're a sign that we still serve a supernatural God. Just like healing is a sign that we serve a healing supernatural God. So when someone speaks in a language they didn't learn, you know what? They can't make that up. That language came from God and it is interceding before the Lord. So when we pray in the Spirit at times here, you may bring someone in. Before they come to church, if they've never been in church, tell them. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. You may hear people pray in tongues. It's okay. Don't bring them in and not let them know anything. So they look at you and say, are they all mad? What's wrong with these people? What language is that? Don't be ashamed of your gifts inside you. Let them sit back and say, that's the power of God. That's the anointing of God. Hallelujah. That's why we explain things at times when folks are up here being prayed for. Sometimes if somebody goes down under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we say they're okay. God's just doing a work inside them because we want them to know that is part of the miracles, signs, and wonders of our God. A prophetic word, that's for all of you. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm speaking from my heart from the things and promises of God's word. It is to come and edify you and encourage you and to build your faith. I would never preach a sermon in tongues. What would you get out of it? You wouldn't, unless it was an interpretation. So you see the balance of all of it that comes together. Don't Allow yourself to be scared of the gifts. Because look in verse 39. It says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. 
sometimes in different churches because they're scared of it or they don't understand it, they've never heard of it. They'll tell people, we don't allow the gifts of the Spirit. They're not really the gifts of the Spirit, they're of the devil. Years ago in the 1970s, there was a man named J. Herman McGee, and he was on uh, WDLM radio. Man, he was a solid Baptist pastor, taught the word. People would just go verse by verse through the Bible. But he had had a bad experience in his life that he had seen people who had been filled with the Spirit, and nobody explained it to him. Nobody talked to him that it was possible. And he said, those people are demon-possessed. So in the 70s, he would speak on the radio and he'd say, anyone who's deceived about this thing, you're making up a language, the devil's working inside you, and that is not of God. Wow. But wait a minute, he did everything else right here. Have you ever known something but then learned something new? And when you learn something new, it was like an illumination. It opens something brand new up to you. The gifts of the Spirit are that way. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit does live and abide in you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit was to empower you. Now, don't get mad at all the Baptists. Hear me out. If it wasn't for the Baptists preaching the gospel, there'd be a whole lot of towns that don't have any gospel being preached. We are all part of the body of Christ. How do we blend it together? We have to work it together. We can see. And let me tell you, in the last 30, 40 years, many Baptist churches have come a long way. They don't look at it that way anymore and say, you're demon-possessed. If anything, there's been people that have been spirit-filled, heads of the Assemblies of God or Foursquare or even Church of God that have been the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. So you've had Baptist and Methodist and Lutheran. You've had spirit-filled people all working together because they find out that the Word of God is true. Don't ever shoot somebody who's in the body of Christ. You know what I mean? Don't ever look and say, well, we're more spiritual than them. They're not really Christians. If they'd agree that Jesus Christ is Lord and died for the sins of mankind and they've asked him into their heart, they're part of the family. You don't shoot your family. Look at somebody next to you and say, I promise not to shoot you. Promise not to shoot you. Yeah, but pastor, they're not as good as we are. Stop it. Maybe that's a little pride coming up inside you that needs to be dealt with. Realize that we all have gifts. Well, then why don't we act more like them, Pastor? Because we're acting like we see the Word of God. Listen, there's all kinds of parts of the body of Christ. My thumb and my big toe don't do the same thing. They meet from time to time when I'm in the shower. Hello. Let me clean around you. But I don't ever say, oh, you need something signed and throw my foot up on the counter. Every one of us are different parts of the body of Christ. We need each other. When 9-11 happened, some of you will remember we had the prayer meeting down at the gazebo across from City Hall. All the churches there were represented except one. When I called this one particular pastor, he said, no, I won't do it. He said, I won't get up on that stage. I said, why? I said, I want you to pray for the Army and the Navy. I had everybody lined up, different things we were going to pray for. And he said, I will not be on the stage with a Romanist. I didn't even know what that meant. A Romanist. What's a Romanist? I said, I, I'm sorry. I don't understand what you're saying. He said, the Catholic priest, is he going to be there? I said, yes. He said, I will not be on the stage with a Romanist. I said, well... Why? Are you scared he's going to do something? He'll probably be praying to Mary. I said, I've already told him what to pray for. He said, well, I won't do it. I said, you know, if you knew what I believed, you probably wouldn't be on the stage with me. He said, oh, I know what you believe. We had the prayer meeting. Hundreds of people were down there. Many of you were with us at that time. We were praying for our country because we had been under attack. And everybody was working together, and that pastor was out in the audience. He was there that day, but he wouldn't be on the stage in the, in the little gazebo. Afterwards, people from his congregation came up to me that I had played Little League with their kids. And they said to me, why didn't you invite our pastor? And I said, he didn't want to be on stage with one of the other ministers. And they looked at me and they said, oh, yeah, we understand. 
God help it if you ever have to make an excuse for me, your pastor. We will live by the word of God. We don't worship the same way the Catholics do or the Lutherans or the Nazarenes or the Methodists or the Baptists, but we all worship the same God. Our styles may be different, but we still worship the King of kings and Lord of lords, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? Worship team, if you'd come. On this Valentine's Day, when we think of the gifts of the Spirit, I want you to know, I encourage you to read chapters 12, 13, and 14. So the next Sunday when we come together, we're going to be praying at the end of the service for those who want to be filled with the Spirit, that you will be open to what God has and allow your life to experience His goodness and grace. Now, we're not going to go through the pews and say, do you speak in tongues if you don't? Get up here. You speak in tongues? No, get up here. We're not going to do that because you've got to want it. God never forces his gifts on anybody. But God is a loving God. Let's stand up together. I realize the things that I just got done saying could insult somebody. If you came from a different part of the body of Christ that they taught you not to accept others and you still harbor some of that on the inside that you don't think some people are really Christians. I know just because you go to a church doesn't make you a Christian. But if you love Jesus, you're a Christian. And they're going to make it to heaven because they love Christ. And if I've hurt your feelings on that, I just ask you to examine the word and see if I'm telling the truth or if I'm making something up on my own. God has called us to love. Will you join me in prayer? And just take a look in your heart today. Is it well with your soul? Do you feel love? Do you know love? Have you experienced God's best? We're going to take just a moment here very quietly. And if you need to, ask him to help you today. Ask him to heal your hurts. Ask him to make you whole. By chance, if you've never given your heart to Christ while people are praying around you, just repeat this prayer to invite Christ into your life. Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, and my King. If that's your prayer, you've just been born again. Now we're going to open up the altar if you need prayer for healing. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.